Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Hey everybody, welcome to the Savage to Sage podcast. Um, I have the privilege of um, having Justin Fortier um, on a second time. Um, he got so many hits from the first time that we had to have him on a second time. Um, he is the CEO and CTO of FYC Labs. Justin, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me back. Yeah. I don't want to kind of overgo kind of what was previously done on the episode, um, but I do want to kind of uh, talk a bit more about high level. Tell us about FYC Labs and um, kind of your product and what you guys do in general. Cool. Um... Yeah, so the, my primary job is CEO, CTO of FYC Labs. I'll probably touch on a few of the auxiliary projects we're doing right now while I describe this. But generally, FYC Labs is a software development, web development, uh, UI, UX uh, agency. Um, we started off doing mom and pop shops, restaurants, bars, menus, websites, WordPress. Graduated on to doing more web applications and then through some... Opportunities I had personally, uh, learned how to build SaaS products, mobile applications, blockchain, just generally solutions at that point. And that's kind of what I'll, I'll touch on as we go throughout the podcast is a little bit more of how we've evolved to becoming more solutions oriented. Um, I know that's sort of a cliche term, but I'll explain why I think it's the right term for agencies and businesses at this maturity level. But yeah, I, so generally just a, a development software development shop. However, we've discovered that once you've gotten good at something, you might as well go build your own products. So we've now, this is somewhat new from the last time we've chatted. We are now at a point where we have something called FYC Syndicate. And we have a group of angel investments that we've done. We have a group of uh, internal labs projects that we're doing ourselves and building our own products. Um, so more than just an agency at this point and sort of just a, a, a consortium or a syndicate of, of projects that me and my friends like to work on together. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. So it's definitely has evolved since the last time that we talked. When you think about kind of when you started the company to where you're at now, where you think the industry is going, what's kind of the foresight there and kind of product development, things that are needed within the market? So, I mean, you can't avoid the AI bug right now, right? So there's a lot of people kind of shaking in their boots on, on oh, will my, will my job be replaced? Is what I do just glorified, you know, copy puncher right so what we're making sure that we're doing now is that's why that solutions term for the maturity level where we're at is we are solutions architects who come in with an approach to i don't like the word problem i think that that's a little too um negative but there's a challenge or there's an opportunity and our solution will get uh, get the business or get the the product to where it needs to go so rather than kind of just becoming coders and, and just generally providing the same templated response each time and having our, you know, uh, one, two, three process. We're, we're more custom solutions that fit the, the need of the startup or the business or the you know, um, project that we're working on. So to me, that's, that's the trend that I see happening is it's not going to be AI is not going to take your job. It's going to be somebody who's really good at AI that's going to take your job, right? So working on your prompts through... OpenAI, um, there's uh, so many different projects going on right now that someone who's gotten good at kind of architecting that workflow will do the job of three to four people. 
That's not to say that new jobs and new opportunities won't pop up. So I'm not concerned about human beings not having jobs into the future. I'm concerned about those who are less adaptive and less aware of that change becoming complacent and saying, oh, it's, I don't need to learn this new tool. I haven't seen a lot of people who aren't at least playing with it and trying to learn. So to that point, what I'm seeing in the trend where our business is headed is more of that solutions architect, sort of the strategy on top that we can then implement with the latest and greatest tools that don't just commoditize what our work is. We aren't just a template-based, cut-it-and-ship-it type agency. We're much more custom and, uh, today. And that's what they say with AI, right? So it's like, it'll free us up so that we can actually use our creative minds. You're kind of already making that shift preemptively saying, hey, what we offer is creative, so it's not going to be automated. And there's a maturity and an experience that we've gotten to at this point where really AI can't get there. It's it's not going to understand the nuance of the startup um, world or the politics within an organization or the personality of the founder and needing to adapt a solution that actually makes them feel... There's so many little steps along the way when you're starting a business or building a product that you need morale boosts to keep your team motivated. So sometimes you're like, hey, we should hook in a payment solution today. So that way we can see a little bit of money coming in. Let's just prove to ourselves that people will pay for our product. So there's these little uh, navigation paths that we navigate that keep people motivated, that keep the product on track, that you can't do that with AI. So that's where what we're doing now is sort of being that empathetic partner who gets what's going on with the product or solution or the, 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 even the business at that point and making sure that we're there along the way, not just as a, hey, we're not just a, a group that you throw things at and we produce code. We're much more thoughtful. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's totally brilliant. Yep. And so you mentioned kind of like your values here, like, um, you know, looking at your website, you, you know, clearly state the type of work that you do, but then right under that is the interplay of your values. So you have empathy, teamwork, and innovation. Can you kind of like tell me about how you landed on those, why they're important? Yeah, I mean, they started out as sort of just, you know, buzzwords on a website, but they, were, they weren't contrived, right? I'll tell you that. Everything... One of the big... Um, I think I spoke a lot about this on the last time we chatted. Uh, we were on the uh, podcast, but a lot of what I try to avoid is contrived culture, right? I want everything to feel authentic. And these are things that we just inherently did as a team early on. And we attracted individuals who conformed to that or were already kind of uh, emoting or um, being innovative and being empathetic and having good teamwork from the beginning. So um, it has really become not something that we even need to talk about. It just is something that is part of our culture. And I think that it starts at the top. I think like I just described, like a lot of what we do, you have to empathize with that founder. And you can't empathize with the founder unless you've actually been in their shoes. So having started a SaaS company, having been part of founding teams over and over and over again, having been on the investor side and having actually invested as an angel investor, um, having raised money in the past, like all those little pieces along the way, having a thought partner. So that's kind of the teamwork next, the next side is, Having that thought partner along the way is invaluable. And that's where, again, you can go find other teams who may, frankly, have better engineering skills than us. But they're not going to be that thought partner along the way that's there to sort of help you navigate, pivot, and almost be a shoulder to cry on. I mean, that's not typically who you think of your dev team as being, but these are the people who are building your product, right? Like These are the people who are really intimately part of your organization because they're the, they're the, they're the engineers, they're the architects at the end of the day. So. 
to me, that's why those two particular things just kind of happened because it, we wouldn't have been successful if we didn't have empathy and teamwork. And then innovation is something we've kind of pushed for ourselves to just find better ways to do things. Innovation can sometimes be uh, misconstrued as we have to be inventing new things. You don't have to be Elon Musk to be innovative, right? So you can be innovative in the way that you work each day and trying to find better ways, even if it's incremental, to improve your workflow, to improve your output, to improve your teamwork, to improve your leadership. That's To me, that's innovation of thinking outside the box and thinking of different ways of doing things. And I, I watched uh, a really cool YouTube last night. Um, I cannot remember the name of it, but it was about an egg drop from space. This really awesome NASA engineer, uh, I, it's super popular, I think, right now, actually worked on the Mars rover. I wish I could remember his name. And he described that failure is just one way of finding out what, what, what doesn't work. So innovation, in many ways, is finding out what doesn't work in order to get to a place that you've found what does work or works enough at the moment, right? So that's where I think innovation has been such an important part for us to, to think that way, but not think, hey, we have to reinvent the wheel. Just find out what's not working and incrementally improve what you're doing. That, that's a form of innovation. That's brilliant. That's right. And it seems like your value set was like, it wasn't kind of like, hey, we're going to whiteboard what our values for the company are going to be. It was like, no, like we're looking around and we're saying what describes us. And these are the three things. And you're like, this is who we are. This is our company. This is what we represent. Is that, does that sound right? Yeah. The, to me, these aren't exercises. These aren't discovery meetings. These have to be very organic. Um, and I, again, I, I cannot stand contrived culture, right? Like that stuff will immediately turn your company into, um, you'll have cognitive dissonance within your employees where they're trying to contain two beliefs at the same time where they, and maybe personally they feel one way, but then their company's telling them that they should think another way. And it just doesn't work. And if, if I have the leadership, I'm saying like, well, I should have, you know, be some, some value set that was given to me by consultants, you know, over time. I'd have cognitive dissonance and all day I would feel less productive, less authentic and less, um, you know, effective. That's great. That's totally great. <laughs> Sorry to all those consultants who work on mission, vision values for our companies. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think it's great. I mean, when, when we get into that conversation, like, I mean, for me, when I look at it, I'm always like, anybody can have a mission and vision statement. Um, but you know, the, 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 you know, the, the you know, uh, what do they say? The, the test is in the pudding or whatever. Um, you know, what it comes down to is that like, do people actually represent what they say they represent? You know, that's, that's what it comes down to, you know? And so you can have a great mission vision statement, but if you as an organization don't reflect that, like it doesn't really mean a whole lot of anything. <laughs> and it's so much easier if it's just already there, right? Like instead of having to say, Hey, we're, we, we might be really timid and shy, but uh, one of our values is to be courageous and outgoing. Like that's going to be a struggle, right? Like <laughs> you're not going all day. You're going to be running into, I'm an introvert. This isn't working. So it's, um, you got to be honest with yourself. That's really important. Yeah. You got to be honest with yourself and who is, what is our company and don't be something you're not, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about, you know, kind of about team and culture here. Um, you've developed a team. I, I highly recommend that all the viewers go back to the first podcast because it was so excellent, but just gives context, further context to this conversation. You know, develop team, everybody has the same values. Like you've talked in the in the previous conversation about just like your team was hungry. They were hungry, they wanted to go after it, they wanted to learn. When did you know, like as a leader, like that they were self-sufficient? 
you know, like, Hey, they, they knew, they knew what they needed to know, you know, do you have kids. Yes. I have three. Yeah. Tell me your kids are ever self-sufficient. It's not going to happen. You're never going to truly feel that way as a parent, right? You're always going to feel like they, they still need me. I mean, my mom's over here three, couple times a week to watch our kids and she's still bringing me down lunch, right? Like she's just so sweet like that. And so, um, loves to be needed and loves to feel like he still needs my help. Right. So one, that's never going to happen, but you're always going to feel like your company needs you one way or another. Um, I know people always kind of like treat, you know, that you hear the phrase, this is your baby. I I don't never like that because I have a much different feeling for my children than I do for my business, much more, um, you know, uh, instinctual and <laughs> like emotional, but the general kind of statement still stands in that you have this sense of responsibility for your business. So one to say that they're ever going to be fully sufficient uh, or self-sufficient is, is not going to, I'm never going to feel that way, but that isn't to say that I'm not going to give space and I can't let my company grow because I can't be in every place at the same time. It depends on different. So you have to be really, okay, I'm going to, I'm roll this back because there's different organizations I've worked in different roles I've played in different businesses. So again, kind of explain that syndicate. I've been a part of probably about 20 different businesses at this point and in some sort of executive level or high level advisory level. There's a certain amount of pressure you want to put kind of like on your children. You might say, you need to, you need to have good table manners. You're going to say please and thank you. These aren't things that I'm going to let you learn on your own, right? Like, no, these are things I'm going to press forward. So there'll be moments in time where they're self-sufficient in the sense that they're able to kind of keep status quo and the growth trajectory is fine. And then there'll be times where like, we got to push harder on this business because there's a trend coming, you know, markets are turning down. There's, we've, we've, we need to pivot out. Like we're currently pivoting away from too much VC exposure to VC funded startup exposure to more grant, grant funded, government funded projects. It's been a, a pretty strategic uh, pivot for us in the last six to, to eight months that pressure is going to require me to come back in and say they're not self-sufficient in this context. So if we kind of take the step back to say, when is it? It's when your team's able to kind of roll through um, and start building their own systems. And uh, well, first, they need to acknowledge the systems that have been kind of passed down by the, the executive team or the leadership. And they're able to kind of execute on status quo. That's good. And then when they start coming up with innovative ideas on their own, then you're like, okay, they're, they're part of the conversation now, right? Because um, I always thought, going back to another analogy on this, um, I was taught school when you're when you're in elementary through high school, you're being taught at. You're just absorbing knowledge. Maybe there's some nuance to today's education system that I didn't have, but whatever. Then you hit college, which is where you're now starting to formulate an opinion on what's being taught to you. Right? College helps you formulate that critical thinking, and then you go into a master's program where now you've been invited to the conversation. So if you think of your employees in a very similar trajectory of Hey, you're going to be taught at. Here's our systems. This is what you do. This is this is the protocol. The next one is okay. I'm I'm listening to what you have to say now because before you didn't have an opinion, and frankly, I couldn't give you an opinion yet. Now you've learned our systems. Now you may have an opinion. I'm listening, and then once we finally get into the to the point where you've the the employees sufficient, I suppose is the way to put it, is that they're actually contributing to ideas and they're part of the conversation and they're, and they're much more of that leadership side. So that's on a leadership role when it comes to uh, sufficient on the like team, on the individual team member who's just kind of executing day to day, your kind of day to day employees. It's when you feel like your systems are strong enough that they can, the system will roll itself. They don't need to be handheld. Um, I'm much, I'm very, very systems oriented. You can probably tell. No, that's brilliant. I, I love it. Um, 
like when I mean, like specifically when you talked about the educational system, that makes tons of sense. Like, do you feel like that there's certain things that need to be in place in order to kind of create that self-sufficiency for your employees along the way? Oh, yeah. You, you better get your systems together, right? Like if, if you're running a, an operation and you're not thinking about systems and roles, you, you're, you're wrong. Don't think about the vision and the end, right? That, that's all fun for the weekends and maybe for a two-hour ideation meeting. But the rest of your time should be built building out the systems of your business. You should have good project management. If you're, if you're an organization like us, you better be working on your project management, your task management, your execution, and your time tracking. If you are a construction company, I'm sure you need this very similar. You need project management, your suppliers, your workflows. Like Those are the things that will help you win. Um, there's an interesting documentary down in San Diego, we were talking about earlier, about the beer scene in San Diego. And the CEO of Stone Brewery was mentioned like, hey, do you think it's oversaturated? There seems like a lot of those, these microbreweries are coming up and falling down. And he goes, I think there's plenty of room for all of us in here. I just think some people need to work on their systems. And that hit me so hard at that time because I was living down there. I was working actually in a restaurant where we we're very systems oriented. And he's dead on. It, you can make whatever you know, product. You'll eventually get your product to, to market fit if you work on your systems and your flows. So there's another phrase also is don't worry about what you're working on. Worry about how you're working. Right? So yes, there's a good point. You should have product market fit, blah, blah, blah. But you'll get there if you think about how you're working. So figure out what is a good... Um, engineer your your company system. So, I guess your question on that was how do I how can I tell from my day to day employees whether or not they're self sufficient? Is when I feel my system is self sufficient that they can't really go outside the bounds. They can, all the all the portions of accountability are there, all of the opportunities for learning are there. So it's it's on me. It's on my systems to make sure that they're there. What would be some good resources that you'd recommend viewers regarding building systems within an organization, or just kind of what have been what has been helpful for you? Trial and error. Like I said, that, yeah. that engineering approach where every time I've failed, I don't look at it as, oh, I'm not good at this. I'm just never going to work. I look at it as, okay, that's one more thing I know is not going to work. We have another phrase. I'm, I'm full of catchphrases today, apparently. Have the courage to unapologetically uh, eject from that which is not working, right? Get out. Double down on what is working and unapologetically eject from what is not working. And that's been such good advice. I got that from just kind of listening through different conversations with uh, an entrepreneur here in um, Folsom. It, it makes so much sense. Like, it's okay. I made a mistake. We're, we're moving on. I don't, need to, I don't need to go and feel bad. I don't need to apologize to employees. Hey, maybe I'll, I'll apologize for some time wasted. Hey, sorry about that, guys. Bad idea. Let's try again. And you'll see there's plenty of instances of FYC where I've done that, where I put in some new idea, we try it. And I look at everybody's face and I see how horribly it's going. And I don't try to force it down their throats. Like, well, I wasn't wrong. Like, no, I was wrong. Let's get out of this as soon as, as, soon as humanly possible. Because this is horrible for everyone. So, yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I love it. Trial and error systems. But systems are incredibly important. Um, find a support group. Whether Find your tribe, right? There's another uh, phrase that you probably have heard. Um, find a group of people that you respect what they're doing as business owners. Figure out a time to meet with them and have coffee once a week and bring up your problems and listen. That is a great way to... I, personally, I mean, I'm sure there's people who enjoy reading articles on the internet and reading books and that stuff. But I'm, I'm more of a, a conversationalist who kind of gets... who I like to be able to pry and kind of ask why or how something happened um, so I can relate it back to myself uh, and my situation. Um, so I have been sitting on CEO roundtables for a long time. And they're usually a loose group of friends who get together and just that we have a rule of thumb, which is 
don't tell me what I should do. Tell me what you've done in a similar situation. So I just get to hear their experiences. And you hear a whole bunch of these catchphrases that I uh, talk about here. And a lot of them come from these CEO roundtables. So I listen to what systems they've done. And I go and I see if there's a way I can make it work. So for those of you who don't want to... I'm sure there's books on this. I'm sure there's all sorts of other stuff that you can read online that will help you. For me, it's just about being around other entrepreneurs and, and asking questions. Yeah, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. In this current season that you're in, has there been anything that's been like really like, hey, I'm learning this. This is kind of, you know, as I'm developing, as I'm growing as a leader, these are kind of some key things that I'm kind of working on, learning on, developing on uh, that stick out to you? Yeah, I feel like personally, I'm developing my, my understanding my value. Right. So understanding where, you know, you kind of brought up, you know, where, where are they self-sufficient before it was my value back to the whole point you know, podcast savage stage. Right. So my value was my savagery, right. It was that if something was wrong, I'm the first person on the front lines taking the hit from the client, or I'm the first person to write the code. I'm the first person to stay up till two in the morning, making this thing work. Right. And that used to be the value because I didn't have the experience or the sage portion of me or the wisdom that I needed in order to have a lot of value in a short amount of time. Instead, it was just my hard work and um, just skill, a technical skill is what got us over certain issues. So lately, I'm taking a step back and saying, I have a limited amount of time now. So if I'm in a conversation with... I do a lot of fractional CTO work now. What am I doing in that conversation that's adding value and directing this business to help them either save money or find opportunities for product growth that they may have not have thought of or setting up help them, helping them implement a system that works. So I've been stepping back and saying, what is that What is that value that I'm bringing to the table in short spurts? Because I just have now decided I'm going to diversify my, um, my workload, right? Like I'm doing a lot of fractional CTO work. I'm starting up new businesses, um, angel investing. So what is all the little value that I'm bringing? So personally, that's what I'm going through. And then as a business, what are we learning? Uh, right now, we're we are learning how to hone in the right system for us to uh, scale, right? So a lot of it was savagery in the early points, which was just, look, we've got hardworking, hungry people, and that works. And when stuff went wrong, we've got flexible, empathetic, um, innovative individuals who just figured stuff out. And then now we're like, that's cool. We're probably all going to have mental breakdowns if we continue this. (laughs) So (laughs) our mental health is all going to suffer if we continue pressing ourselves this hard to make it all work. So now the approach is let's the markets aren't going crazy anyways. It's not like people are throwing money left and right at VC start funded startups. So good time to take a, you know, uh what is it called? A NASCAR? Ah, a pit stop, right? So we're taking a quick pit stop to regroup, put on some new tires, fix up our systems a little bit. And then when things are going again, we're gonna be in way better shape. So we're not working any less hard. We're just less frantic. So that's kind of what we're learning on the on the the business side or the, the company side. That's great. And I mean, I would imagine that everybody, depending on how hard you went for how long you went, it probably takes a little bit of getting used to for a little bit of a pit stop, I would imagine, right? Yeah, it's actually... Um, have you ever like, been really, really busy and then suddenly you stop and you get sick? Like suddenly your body just kind of lets down and it kind of lets down its guard. Yeah, it catches up to you, you know? Right. It catches up to you because you finally have let down your guard and your body's sort of like, oh, we can rest. And then it's like, oh, shoot, now now we've been probably (laughs) even harboring this virus that we've (laughs) through pure adrenaline. Um, So personally, I go through a bit of 
um, ups and downs, right? So I go in almost, almost like a manic depressant type state for myself where I'll be on this high energy, let's pump, let's get it done. And then suddenly we'll have accomplished something and there's a minor depression. Like I think about like postpartum depression for, I can't personally relate to that. But when my wife was, had our first child, I'm like, I don't know how you could sustain such levels of endorphins because you're so happy with your child and you're so love is just like coming out of you. There's no way you're going to be able to sustain that. And then you hit this boom, you hit this down. So for a business who's been on such adrenaline, who's been on such like almost manic state, you're inevitable to hit a depression. So if you, if you deny yourself that and you say, hey, we're supposed to stabilize and it's going to be fine, you're going to run into troubles. So you need to be very honest. This says, this is going to be a bit of a letdown. We're going to be suddenly like, oh, well, maybe I'll just take like two days off. Like, no, you got to kind of, okay, this is something we're going to go through. We're going to feel like we're less important. Like, you know, when my kids first went to school, it's like, oh, they're off to school. They don't need me. Oh, you know, like... That type of thing again. So if you got to be really healthy with your business, knowing that you're going to go through these ups, these like super intense sprints, and then there'll be these letdowns that you you got to let yourself have them. And you got to go through them and your team might be a little bit down. And you can't be mad at them. You can't keep this positive energy going all the time because it, you're, th- those, those people will have mental breakdowns eventually. Like, <laughs> they're, yeah. they're humans, right? Like, so I don't know. For what that's worth, it's uh, be comfortable with the highs and lows. Oh, that's great. I think that's excellent sage advice. And I, I actually was just talking to somebody that's in a startup yesterday and he was just like, yeah, we're, we're taking a pause. And you know, he's like, we've grown so fast. We're taking a pause. And I was just, I just congratulated them. I was like, good job for actually like knowing the life cycle and where you're at to kind of like hit that, you know, because typically, you know, it's like grow, 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 keep growing. And, um, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily allow there to be like longevity long-term, like that's not helpful for anybody, you know? So yeah, I love that. So yeah, making that in there. What does your company need from you now? Um, I know that you mentioned something about like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm valuing my time. You know, where's my role, those types of things, you know, like, how do you see your, how do you see your role within your company currently? Um, is it more of the sage? Is it more of the savage? it's not going to stay one or the other for too long, right? It'll, it'll bounce back and forth. So, um, it's obviously a little bit more the stage at this point, um, coming in with advice and strategic guidance. But, you know, this morning I noticed that we had some, uh, a little bit of a mess in our project management. So I went and cleaned it up. Just powered through that. Like that's more that tactical. And Hey, if someone's going to play a little bit of defense and, uh, make sure we're, we're okay. And I had the time. I'm going to do it. Right. So I'm not going to turn off either one and just kind of say, oh, well, this is, this isn't my work now. Like, you know, the restaurant owner is going to, he's going to pick up the trash when he sees it as he walks by, you know, like you, you, you have that boy scout mentality. Right. Yeah. So I'm not going to leave anything left more of a mess or, you know, I want to leave everything I touched cleaner than I, I left it or, or found it. So I think at this point in the company, it's, it, it just needs, I, I gotta be really honest. I just gotta be uh, with myself and just say, it just needs me to be continue being me and go through those ups and downs and be okay with it. Be honest with the company that, Hey, there's a lot of, and it's not just the company, right? Like now I've talked about, there's this whole syndicate. Now this whole community of businesses that are sort of revolving around, like I'm feeling more and more responsibility, but spread out across. It's less focused on just FYC now, but across many businesses, I think a lot about my clients and what they're going through. And for me to be too involved would be a problem because then I, I might get emotional and might not be as, as perfect of a decision or as good of a decision maker as I want to be. 
Um, I could be a little too uninvolved and too um, distant where they don't get the value. So it's kind of creating this balance across this multitude of businesses that I'm starting to, to consult and work with. And it's understanding, making the most of my time. So I think what they need from me right now is honesty. So they know exactly what they're getting. Like they're, you're going to get two hours a week out of me and that's it. So you're on your own. Um, and then to uh, continue just... Sounds kind of arrogant, but just kind of continue being who I am and just let that be enough. Right? No, I don't think that's arrogant. I mean, I think that's healthy boundaries and understanding you know, how to represent yourself properly. Um, and that takes a lot of courage. So that's awesome. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, thank you so much for being on round two, man. Um, yeah. um I love hearing about the syndicate and it, it's clear that you've used uh, your current company as an opportunity to essentially just continue to grow your breadth and knowledge uh, within the business and kind of continue to develop, innovate other companies. Um, so I just think that's amazing. So, I mean, hats off to you for sure. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, Justin, thanks for being on the show. And uh, we're excited to maybe have you back as the first third time. First time guy. <laughs> yeah, sure. I enjoy doing this. This is, this is therapeutic for me. I think I said that on the last one. So this is actually, I, I get quite a bit out of doing something like this. So appreciate it and come back anytime. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Justin. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.